0: Hey, guys, it is the Indie Mayhem Show. I'm Mike Sorgat, Sorgatron, on the Twitter here in the Sorgatron Medios in Pittsburgh, PA, and uh, looking to have a fun night talking about podcasting in professional wrestling, amongst other things. Uh, Again, please check out everything at IndieWrestling.us, as well as WrestlingMayhemShow.com, where you can find this and other great podcasts, and also on IndieWrestling.us and the Indie Wrestling Network. A lot of the people that we talk with on the show are featured there on VOD, DVD, uh, the network uh, subscription in all kinds of places. Uh, and tonight's guest is no different. And please, if you uh, have any suggestions, we're ramping up and looking at our uh, calendars, figuring out who we're going to have on the show over the next month of February. If you have any ideas uh, for who you think we should be talking to, because there's way too much wrestling for any of us any of us to watch and uh we'd love to hear who you think we should definitely have the show maybe we're missing out on or if you have questions for anybody we have announced in a future edition of this show please hit us up times at wrestling mayhem com on the email on 412-206-WMS0 so this week i'm excited and i know i've been kind of saying for a while i was like listen i'm going to have this guest on the show and i just want to talk about podcasting because i'm excited i'm excited that he's got a podcast on and i think i think I think at one point I, I I was at a bar with him a couple of months ago in Erie and left drove drove home and said oh I wanted to say he should have a podcast and then I found out he was starting his podcast like that week uh, so Gregory Iron joining us this week uh, from Texas usually a Cleveland boy how you doing I'm okay how are you <laughs> all right all right I see I see I see the obviously the podcasting has lavished you with uh, all this traveling now right.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, like uh, wrestling in general um, is is, is tr- giving me uh, the traveling schedule um, more than ever before the last couple years. Um, but uh, with the the added incentive of the of the podcast now, you know, there's there's more reason to get out there and then make contacts and see who's going to be on the shows and I'm going to be on and then harass them to do a podcast with me. So it's a um, it's an adventure
0: that's gotta be fun so so let's let's start at the beginning of this usually i start the show with like how did you get into wrestling but for you i kind of want to uh, find out how, how did you get into the podcasting side What what kind of was your first glimmer of like hey i need to do a podcast on my side
1: well you know if you go back in time for me um if anyone's heard any portion of my story obviously um you know that uh, i'm a pro wrestler with cerebral palsy and so um Obviously, we fast forward from uh, 2006, when I'm thinking about being a wrestler, to now, you realize that I've been pro wrestling for 14 years. And that's something that no one thought could happen at all. Um, So initially, um, being so passionate about wrestling like I was when I was a kid, um, I never thought I was going to be a professional wrestler. I started looking towards broadcasting. And, uh, I always saw myself as being maybe like the next Jim Ross or, or Jerry Lawler or something. And so, uh, I, I thought, uh, wrestling announcers like memorize statistics and facts because, you know, why would they have a piece of paper in front of them? Right. They just have to know all these useless facts. So, um, especially because I love WWE, I became like an encyclopedia, a walking encyclopedia for WWE. And so to this day, pretty much until you get to about 2006, it gets a little blurry when I begin wrestling, but, uh, I could tell you the most useless, uh, WWE product knowledge possible because I just, I just committed it to memory. Uh, it's really psychotic. Like I, am on, on my podcast for my Patreon. Uh, we just did a bonus episode about the Royal rumble. And, uh, I told my co-host Aaron Bauer, um, I'm pretty sure I can name every Royal Rumble winner in order. And um, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but um, the the amount that I got in a row um, from 1988 until 2019 um, is pretty pathetic. So um, so (laughs) laying the groundwork with that, um, I initially went to college for communications, uh, and I only lasted a semester before um, I got the bug for wrestling. And, uh, you know, I I didn't go to uh, like a – a specific college for broadcasting, which maybe in retrospect, that would have been better for me because I went to a community college and, uh, I didn't like the idea that I had to learn other stuff too, like, um, mm-hmm. advanced math that wouldn't, would bear no, uh, help with me in regards of like, uh, doing radio, you know, or television, whatever it was. That I was get into. So, um, I had started going to indie shows and then I started training. So there's kind of this gap of, um, doing any type of communications, um, from the time I became a wrestler. Right. Um, so it wasn't until a couple of years ago when I did stone cold, Steve Austin's podcast. And, uh, for the first time in my life, my useless WB knowledge came in great handy because after we did an episode about my story, um, so Stone Cold asked me if I wanted to hang around and, uh, he said, you want to hang around for a little bit? What are you doing for today? While I'm to doing our podcast, uh, just talk about our favorite matches, talk about our favorite wrestlers. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, no Stone Cold Steve Austin, why would I want to do that? And I'm like, of course I want to hang out and talk wrestling with Stone Cold Steve Austin. And so that gave me the opportunity to sit there and I don't want to say flaunt my knowledge, but I was able to, um, Because some of my favorite matches involved Stone Cold Steve Austin. I mean, Mm -hmm. like if Hulk Hogan was my favorite as a kid, Stone Cold was my favorite as an angsty teenager trying to figure out who I was and like rebelling against the man. So I was able to set Steve up for his own stories. And after the fact, uh, we we stayed in contact. We're still in contact to this day. And the feedback that he had got from the podcast was a lot of people were saying that they could see me having a podcast of my own. And um, when he initially told me, like, do you think you would want to do a podcast? I said, I don't know. The market's so oversaturated. Everybody has a podcast. You buy a microphone, you have a podcast. Um, I don't know if I want to do it. Um, But he had put that idea in my head. And Mm. then uh, last year for the first time, uh, I quit my nine to five job and I solely started focusing on wrestling and motivational speaking. And um, thanks to an investor, um, someone invested in some decent podcasting equipment for me because they knew the stone cold story. Mm. And, uh, they said, why don't you give this podcasting thing a shot? And, um, that's pretty much how it began. Uh, so starting in September, I, I started to figure out the process and, uh, I launched my own podcast and it's been, you know, trial and error, but I think I'm getting the hang of it. Yeah, It is. I, it
0: was really nice to see, um, when this launched out, first of all, you mentioned Aaron. Um, I remember Aaron from uh, going up there and shooting some prime wrestling with you guys uh, up in the Cleveland area. So it's good to hear from him because I haven't heard from him in, in several years being down here in Pittsburgh, um, including hearing some knowledge about Black Diamond that we filmed now uh, <laughs> about the rats or in the pyro and such. But uh, that, was a, that was a fun discovery, um, and uh, so so one thing. I, I know I know. podcast is, is catching fire a little bit when every time I catch up with, you know, we're, we're filming shows every weekend. And when one, of my, one of my camera guys is like, did you hear what happened on this podcast? And yours was coming up a lot. I don't know, just because we're kind of localized and, and run in some similar circles here. Uh, but you, you, you definitely, like people were talking about it and what you're doing. And, and you, you, you it's not just an interview podcast. It's not just an art of wrestling clone or anything like that. Like, you're kind of digging into different things and developing segments that I don't see too many wrestlers, indie wrestlers in your position doing.
1: Yeah, you know, I I didn't want it to be the same as everyone else. Like, And and if you go back and listen to the uh, pilot episode, um, episode zero, which I didn't realize until I think a week before that I needed to put out a test episode to even get the RSS feed up and running. Mm -hmm. So, like, that was scary and, like put me at my wits end. Um, but, uh, if you go back and listen to that, um, I was kind of talking to myself and just kind of getting an idea of like what the podcast might be. I knew there was going to be an interview format to it. Um, but I knew I wanted it to be something more. And, um, I, I, I said this on a couple other podcasts, you know, um, Colt Cabana's podcast was very popular, um, amongst fans and wrestlers based on his interview format. And I think when he changed his format, um, a couple years ago and stopped doing the interviews. Um, I think that left a lot of people disappointed. And I, I don't want to say that I, I'm, I want to be the guy to fill this band of shoes because those are big shoes to fill. And, and I think in a lot of ways, not just in podcasting, but in wrestling in general, Colt laid the groundwork for a lot of guys in the industry on the independent level to make a living at this over the last five to 10 years. And, 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 you know, we can never pay him back for that. But, um, in my head, um, I wanted to at least give the idea of doing an interview form podcast a shot, especially because now there's younger guys coming around that maybe never got a shot in Cabana's podcast. Like I did that. Maybe, I don't know if my interview style works out that I, I I can maybe shine some light and give them a little bit of a rub on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And um, but on top of that, I knew the podcast would be a way for me to tell stories that I tell in cars um, and tell amongst my friends that, I might not necessarily get to tell on in interviews of my own that like have kind of been hidden for the last 13 or 14 years that I've been in wrestling. Like, um, for example, one of the things we talk about this week on, on the podcast is, um, a group of guys that we were forced to book in pro wrestling, Ohio, uh, referred to as Wally's elite, uh, which essentially was the promoter Wally, uh, because he doesn't understand the difference between good and bad wrestling. He would throw these guys a bone that might not necessarily deserve an opportunity on TV. And they they had always been an inside joke behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. But now that I have this format, like no one's ever going to ask me, so who are the worst wrestlers you've ever been on shows with that no one's ever heard of? But now that I have my own podcast, I can kind of bring uh, – bring these characters to the forefront that people might not know about otherwise like if anyone's been following the podcast one of the big biggest characters on the show um, he was a real-life guy and I don't know if you ever came across to him in, in your travel sir um, there was a guy that I heard a legend about named animal steel and his deal was um, he looked like George the animal Steel so they would bill him as animal steel on posters back in the 90s uh mainly throughout ohio but i think also in michigan now his deal was his name was howard animal steel so you wouldn't find that out until (laughs) you know showtime or whatever or in some cases he's just built his animal steel and people would approach him at the gimmick table as if he was the wwe hall of famer right and um it it became such a legend that when he ended up passing away this Howard Steele character, people thought the real George Animal Steele died and it became like a news story um, in the Ohio area because I believe he, he this Animal Steel was born in like Lorraine, Ohio. So so even to this day, even after the real George Steele has passed away, people always lay claim to this animal steel, Howard animal steel dying back in like 2005 and saying, yo, yo, it's such a shame that one of our own died this huge <laughs> wrestling legend. And it's just like, like things like that. Um, people have never heard those stories. And so I want to be able to tell those stories and, and I think it offers to, um, a side of my sense of humor that um, sometimes I, I, I just can't display uh, in a pro wrestling ring, and I think Aaron Aaron Bauer has been the perfect co-host. I think mm-hmm. he's been one of the most underrated minds uh, in professional wrestling. Obviously, he was based primarily out of the Midwest, but, um, you know, he's been promoting, he was promoting shows and sort of wrestling and managing and commentating over the last 20 years. And his voice has been, been in the background of some of the biggest names in the history of independent wrestling that have gone on to do bigger and things like Johnny Gargano or, uh, you know, a, a host of girls from the AIW shows. I mean, EC3, you name anybody from AIW, you know, chances are Aaron's voice has been behind, uh basically added the lyrics to the music that they were playing in the ring. So, um I just think he's a perfect co-host and uh yeah, we're just trying to bring uh new and untold stories to light and uh I'm having fun doing it.
0: Awesome. And, and you mentioned you mentioned like a lot of the background communications and everything. Like I, I always recall uh when I was helping with the uh Shot reality show for for a summer. Um, when they're doing on locations, um, you know, doing a show with you, we may have talked about this last time you were on. Uh, I, I just remember it stuck in my head. I think you had an LJN figure, Hulk Hogan, for some reason, uh, and uh, we were talking about how you were getting, trying to get into writing and kind of diversify a little bit. And that's why that's why when I last saw you in Erie, it's just like, oh, hey, he should do a podcast because that came to me. Um, so this this is kind of that extension of that conversation we had all those years ago.
1: Yeah. And it's one of those things too, where I've always been a fan of writing and, mm-hmm. um, it's just one of those things where, again, you know, I didn't think I'd, I would be a wrestler, um, but lo and behold, I became a wrestler. So some of those other, I guess, um, artistic fulfillments, um, that I got with wrestling, um, kind of driving, kind of fell to the wayside. And as I progressed as a wrestler and, um, I became more realistic about things, um, I, 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 decided to focus more of my passion on the things like writing and stuff, just to see, like, you know, there's more than one way to take your passion and parlay it into the business aspect of making money in, in the wrestling, right? Like when I started wrestling, um, the goal and the dream was, you know, one day I'm going to go to WWE and hopefully make some money and and not even get rich. Getting rich wasn't, was never the goal. It was, it was just to, uh, to, to live comfortably. And I think in a lot of ways, Um, as I've grown up in the wrestling industry, um, it, it still is the goal, but now more so than ever, um, my mind is more on terms of like, you know what, um, I would love to go to WB. I would love to be there with my, my best friend, Johnny Gargano, or one of my closest friends in the world, uh, Vic Joseph and, uh, be sharing laughs and stories with them on the road for the same company. Um, but that might not ever happen. And even if it doesn't, that's okay. Um, and so I'm focusing, uh, my, my, uh, my mindset towards things like the writing and the the broadcasting aspect as well as wrestling. Because, um, again, I I feel like there's so many ways that if you have a passion for this business and, um, just because you don't get the spotlight on you in one way, like I do think that, um, if I never get signed to a major contract, um, I, I guess it would be a lost opportunity, I think, um, in a lot of ways, because I do think I could do a lot of good, um, for not just the developmentally disabled community, but for wrestling fans and people outside of wrestling as a whole to see someone who is undersized and had, had been bullied his whole life and had the odds against them to overcome the odds. Like, I think there's money left on the table if that never happens, but uh, I'm a logical person. And uh, again, I'm passionate about wrestling. So as long as I can make make a living somehow, um, in the realm of wrestling, I'm okay with that. And that's why, you know, when I started doing things with Justin LaBar, um, geez, I think I started doing that almost 10 years ago. Um, just a little bit more writing on the side and, um, behind the scenes, what people never realized was pretty much from the day that I started in wrestling because of, uh, my connection with Johnny and uh, the connection with Pro Wrestling, Ohio and Prime Wrestling, you know, I was doing um, a lot of the writing behind the scenes for the TV show along with Joe Dombrowski and coming up with storyline ideas. And that's something that I never wanted to bring to light because I was smart enough to know that as a young kid in the, in the wrestling industry, when you walk up to a guy who's been in the business 10, 12, 15 years and uh, you've been in the business too and you're trying to dictate what they're going to be doing in a storyline or what their promo is going to sound like you're probably going to get a lot of heat for that. And Mm so um, I kind of, uh, I stayed in the shadows as far as doing that. And I I was smart enough to know that I was learning on the job. So it's kind of always been a thing that I've been doing um, throughout my course of uh, my wrestling career is just kind of learning the other aspects of the business. And um, I'm just, I'm just very happy. And in a lot of ways, I'm very fulfilled doing the podcast now in terms of like sitting down with my friends and sitting down with guys that, um maybe I've been friendly with but have never had a real in-depth conversation with and getting to know them better because there's nothing that makes me happier other than being in the ring than to talk wrestling and to share that passion with other people that are passionate about it. And I think that applies to all aspects of life, like anything that we do. Um you know you might not understand an aspect of something like uh, you know, I'm not big into I, I can't do anything musically, right? But if I met someone passion for music and was very good at it and i could see it in their eyes and i can hear it when they talk about it like that's contagious and i feel that's the way i feel about wrestling and to share that aspect with someone it's pretty incredible
0: love it uh so tell me about hey, let's talk for a moment here about um you know you talk about some of the, you're in texas for for wrestling obviously but also uh you're doing motivational speaking uh, tell me a little bit about for people that don't know that side of uh, what you're doing there, uh, how that came about and, and how you're dealing with that these days.
1: Well, the, the uh, motivational speaking was sort of something that uh, just fell in the lap of Zach Gowan and I mm-hmm. uh, throughout the course of teaming. For those that don't remember Zach Gowan, he was in WWE um, and he wrestled with one leg and he was there for a good uh, eight months back in 2003 and he is actually the reason uh, why I was inspired to try wrestling. And now through happenstance and circumstances uh, over the years we formed a tag team and we did one show in particular. I don't remember exactly where it was, but um, the the guy who booked us said, uh, hey, I got you guys booked for a speaking gig um, before the show, and uh, we're going to give you X amount of dollars, which was way more than – we would ever get for wrestling. And so the guy says, uh, you guys have done that before. Right. And we said, Oh yeah. And then me and Zach probably <laughs> were like, Oh crap. Like we don't like, we're now going to talk to these kids in school. Like we don't know what we're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, we just kind of like strategized and like thought about it. And like, what, what's the story we want to tell to these kids. And, it was one of those things where together um, much like we do in the ring where we could have been competing against each other as these two different disabled guys um, as a tag team, we realized that the sum of the parts were greater than the individual. And so that was kind of the story we try to tell um, with, uh, with the two man speaking gig, whereas the sense of like, you know, Zach didn't realize it because he didn't know me. But when I saw him on TV as a kid, he inspired me to try to be a wrestler and, I became a wrestler. Then when I met Zach, he was very much a dick to me. And little did I know he had a drug problem. So he goes to rehab and he comes out of rehab. And, um, he hears me do some podcasts where I say, Zach Allen, wasn't the kindest guy to me in the world. Um, Zach reached out to me and, uh, he apologized and he was trying to get his, I want to say feet, but his foot, uh, back underneath him. And, uh, and, uh, he suggested the idea of the tag team. And it was one of those things where had it not been for me in a lot of ways, I inspired Zach to keep going as a wrestler. Mm -hmm. And so those stories sort of intertwine, like when I needed Zach at the most, um, he was there for me. And then as I got older, um, Zach needed me and I was there for him. And, and also I don't drink, I don't smoke. So like our, on our road trips together, like there's no temptation. He knew I was a good influence. And so it's something you can't write and it's something that we could, uh, could share with kids in schools that like, Hey, you know, like this is the circumstances we faced and this is how we overcame them. And, um, we just made a good connection with the kids, a good connection with the school. And, uh, it was one of those things where we started th- saying to ourselves, well, maybe we should focus more on that. And, uh, Zach kind of pulled the trigger on it as an individual before I did. Uh, and he found a speaking group called cool speak based out of New Jersey, I believe. And, uh, I started doing some stuff with them over the years, and it's been one of those things where Zach is full-time with CoolSpeak. I am not, Uh, and so uh, I've been just kind of like carving my own path, and it's one of those things where um, if I can get an opportunity to work with an organization with CoolSpeak, great, but um, the speaking community – and getting speaking engagement when you're first starting out, um, and growing, it's much like, uh, it's no different than professional wrestling or being in a band where it's kind of like making connections and, uh, putting yourself out there. And I think the hardest part for me is, um, knowing how much that motivational speakers get paid. Um, it's hard for me to sometimes go to these schools, knowing that they're going to pay me when I'm I'm going to get paid. And I think to myself, geez, do I really deserve this? Because in my mind, when I look in the mirror, much like, you know, a lot of people see me as Gregory Iron, the wrestler, when I look in the mirror, I'm not Gregory Iron, the wrestler, the motivational speaker, I'm just Greg. Right. And so I think to myself, um, what warrants me, um, to be able to deserve this amount of money for wrestling or for speaking to kids for an hour and just sharing my story. And, uh, sometimes, you know, I just have to tell myself that like, um, I don't, I don't want to say I I earned it, but like, or or I deserved it, but like, I'm worth it, you know, and that's something I try to parlay to all the kids too, young and old. And it's just, uh, you know, sometimes people see our, see us better than we see ourselves. And uh, it's still a growing process every day, especially as an adult at 33, I still uh, face a lot of challenges and uh, a lot of um, downs, along with the ups on my roller coaster. And so uh, I just try to stay positive and constant, and I have a a few gigs lined up. And uh, I just try to keep it constant, man, and not overwhelm myself because, as I said, on top of the speaking, I got the wrestling, I got the podcast, uh, I got my hand, not hands, see what I did there? I got my hand in a lot of different uh, buckets right now, and uh, I'm just enjoying it, just as long as I can stay afloat and um, just inspire people, whether it be through wrestling or speaking or the podcast. I mean, that's really what it's all about. I get to learn that more and more as I get older, that it's just about sharing your story and uh, keep people going through, through your experiences.
0: That's awesome. And, and those are stories I like to hear about, like how anybody in the indies can kind of invest in themselves like this, be kind of your own small business of a person. And do these kinds of things. And, and, and for you, I'm seeing kind of the, you know, we talk about that diversification and everything. And, and, of course, Colt kind of laid that out for us. And everybody gets to kind of make their own path through it. So, um well I do want to, do want to talk about the first thing wrestling just a tiny bit. I only got I only got one main thing to talk about wrestling and I got questions about cuz I I'm, I'm following your feed and I saw the most interesting uh group pop up and uh, I believe game changer wrestling if I'm not mistaken this uh 440 group. It, this is you you um Gregory, um Ricky Shane Page, Atticus Coger, and Eddie Only. Yeah. Was the first like how the hell did those guys to get together? And the more I'm seeing the images and the videos, it kind of makes more sense.
1: Well, the the way it came about was just kind of, uh, it was a matter of circumstances uh, for the most part. And and, uh, it was one of those things where Ricky Shane Page had been, he had stolen the uh, Game Changer Wrestling belt from Nick Gage uh, and it got a lot of publicity. And so... Ricky sort of had this idea that he wanted uh, a stable of guys backing him, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and not like a gang type situation because Nick Gage is all about gang affiliation. And, um, even though we're very hated and we're treated as though we're a gang, um, I'd like to think that it's a, it's a friendship affiliation and it's one of those things where it's like, we're not out to, uh, do illegal activities like someone like Nick Gage who gets cheered. We're out there just to watch each other's back in a lot of ways, um, do what we believe is right. And, uh, you know, I, I think Ricky has really spelled that out with his nickname that he's given himself the Deathmatch Robin hood, you know, and, um, It was just one of those things where uh, Atticus Coger, who was a student of Ricky Shane page was booked for a GCW show. Uh, Things lined up where I just happened to be um, the driver for the vehicle that weekend. Um, (laughs) Nick Gage tried to take back his belt. I was waiting outside in the car as, as the uh, getaway driver, (laughs) Uh, Ricky and Atticus hopped in the car and uh, we successfully uh, kept the belt in our possession for another month. And, um, there was a series of vignettes that were filmed with it. And, uh, it just kind of starts, started catching fire. And, uh, Ricky really decided that he wanted people that were his friends, that he could trust backing him, which is why he entrusted in Atticus, which again, he was his student. And, uh, that kid has come a long way from when he first started out, when he started, he had a bad attitude. He was going down the wrong path, And then, um, eventually he realized, Oh no. Um, I might not go that far in wrestling if I don't start taking the advice of guys who um, seem to legitimately care about me. And when I say that guys like me, guys like Ricky who would spend time with him in school uh, when he was training at the Roaring Elbow. And then uh, Eddie only comes into play because he was another student of Ricky Shane page. And he's a guy who's been making buzz for himself over the past couple of years. And uh, he's doing a lot more of the death matches and, uh, He's really made a name for himself uh, in the production in AIW and uh, has got some buzz behind him. And two, uh, when I first met him, I immediately had a connection with him based on uh, mutual friends through Johnny Gargano's family and, and Eddie Only's family and uh, growing up in the same neighborhood. So it's one, really one of those situations where again, it all comes down to friendship and, and knowing that we have each other's back. And uh, we were recently talking about this on a road trip home and, um, the tension that has been in the air at these GCW shows is unlike anything that I've ever felt in 14 years of wrestling. I mean, um, and it sounds super generic to say that, but like um, you could really cut the tension with a knife. And there's been fans that like, um, I mean, they, 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 they're throwing little fingers in our faces and they're like trying to push us around and stuff. It's funny. They won't put their hands on Ricky for some reason, but they'll try to come at Eddie or Atticus or myself uh, so much so that it's a, it just – there's a different feeling in the air, like almost – I don't want to say scary, but like it, it feels like something – could go down at any moment. In fact, just this past Saturday in Texas, you know, there was a fan while I was at ringside, while Ricky was wrestling, got right in my face and put his middle finger in my face and pushed me. And I like pushed him a couple times. And, uh, I said some very explicit things to him and he kept getting up and I pushed him again. And it was getting to the point where had I punched him in the face, I don't think anyone would have blinked, but there was a part of me that, um, while I wanted to punch him in the face and I wanted to show him, like, uh, you know, you you don't put your hands on the performers, I knew that was going to take away from what was happening in the ring. And so just the fact that in 2020, um, there is a group of guys that can uh, rile up a crowd and kind of evoke that kind of emotion to where um, we're blurring the lines between, good and bad reality and fiction. Um, I think it's something special and I guess that just goes to show, um, I don't know that the level of following Nick Gage has, um, Mm -hmm. that's really inspiring this, um, I guess, uprise of violence. I mean, I, I don't really respect it and I don't get it because, um, I grew up with convicts my whole life as parents and, um, I don't think they're good people. So the fact that someone like Nick Gage, um, can get cheered and admired for, um, all the um, unjustly things that he's done, um, and then he comes back to wrestling as if wrestling owes him something, like um, good guys like myself and Ricky owe him something. Like I don't get it, but um, that's what we're dealing with. So,
0: awesome! I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what's going on there with you guys uh so uh again, to mix it up a little bit because it's been kind of the theme of this episode uh i want to ask you what's the best and the worst thing about podcasting for you so far you're um you're approaching ten episodes is that right where are we at right
1: now oh boy uh today uh episode eighteen came out so oh, eighteen uh, pretty deep in the game at this point
0: excellent uh so so what is the best and worst thing about podcasting for you right now
1: um like i said you know i i think the best the best part about it is, um, uh, interacting with my friends and, and telling these stories that I've never gotten to, uh, tell, uh, in any form of audio and video, uh, ever, um, to be able to show my side, um, as a human being, I think in a lot of ways. And, uh, I mean, the worst part is, um, even though they're my friends, sometimes it's like, uh, bugging people i i i mean i don't want to use the term bugging but i feel (laughs) like sometimes you know um with the um overabundance of podcasts in the world Mm -hmm. sometimes uh you know i mean i've i've been on the other end like there's people that reach out to me with uh poor grammar or poor English skills in general, um, with five followers on Facebook that want me to do their podcast. And, um, then they say, well, it's only going to be 90 minutes. And I think to myself, Oof. you know, like what, what's the benefit for me? You know, like mm-hmm, I, there's mm-hmm. been guys over the years where I think, um, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of reason, like um, a, a kid or, or, or an adult, um, Reach out to me, and they'll say, "Will you do my podcast?" And I look at their following, and it isn't much. And I say to them, "Hey, if you buy a if you buy a shirt off Pro Wrestling Tees, um, I'll do the podcast." And uh, then they fire back at me, "Wow, can't believe you you would uh, talk to me that way. I can't believe like I'm trying to give you exposure. I'm thinking to myself." Ooh. Okay. Well, let's see. Uh, y- again, you have like five followers and your profile pick is that of an egg. Uh, <laughs> I-, I mean like who's, who's really getting the exposure here. So it's like, I, I'm more than willing to help someone out, um, within reason, but in general, um, because anyone can do them, I think podcasts got kind of a bad name. So, um, sometimes I feel weird approaching my friends and being like, Hey, Do you want to podcast with me, knowing that it's in longer form and knowing that Mm -hmm. we might talk for an hour? um, Sometimes not only on top of that, do I feel like I'm bugging them, but like um, then you have to find the time at a show or before a show and and that you find a quiet area. And uh, for the most part, I've been lucking out and uh, I've had no problems uh, getting anyone to do it. But I think part of my problem, too, is you know, I like doing the podcast in person. I feel like, um, Mm -hmm. you know, some guys are like, let's just do it over the phone. And like, there's a level of, um, personability that is lost when you do it on the phone. And, uh, like, I, like, I don't mind Skype right now, but I just feel like when you're in person, there's a different, uh, there's a different form of interaction. I, I feel like had I done the podcast with Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, over the phone, I wouldn't have got the same sort of, um, genuine, reactions out of him and there was something that kind of motivated me in that moment like going into the podcast with stone cold i thought to myself you know if i say one thing that stone cold steve austin agrees with as far as like wrestling psychology or timing or match structure or i say something that makes him laugh once like that's a victory and there were so many times that i made him genuinely laugh there were so many times that we agreed on things and i'm thinking again i'm just greg greg smith from cleveland ohio i don't see myself as a as an equal gregory Mm. iron but i guess in a lot of ways steve did and so um that experience gave me confidence and it made the the conversation better i think for the listener and that's what i find that's what i want to do with my podcast like i don't want to have some disingenuous conversation over the phone like i want to meet up i want to talk for a little bit i want to share uh a drink or two and uh talk about uh life and wrestling you know
0: absolutely absolutely um so i know i i know we gotta get you out of here i, I know it's wednesday night that means there's wrestling because there's wrestling every damn night i'm not gonna ask you to tell us uh which which team you're picking to watch tonight uh so uh but uh uh thank you so much for and and, and one of these days we will have to get you in the studio we of course distance and everything uh because i i share that philosophy for sure
1: yeah no i i would love to do it in studio man uh and this is been a pleasure i really appreciate the opportunity
0: awesome awesome um so uh once again give me the rundown where can people check out the podcast or what's going on with you
1: uh basically you can find the podcast on itunes and all major podcast uh downloadable site thingamabobs i think that's the technical term yeah that works uh, again s- still working out the whole uh, podcasting thing I- i've actually recently started editing myself and so uh it's 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 a it's a growing <laughs> thing for me but um uh, it's available on itunes anywhere you download podcasts every wednesday it drops sometimes i drop it uh, a couple hours early but uh if you subscribe to the podcast you'll get it as soon as possible and um I've been putting a lot of additional content on a Patreon that I just just launched at patreon.com backslash iron on wrestling where I'm doing bonus episodes like complete one hour episodes, usually at the very least. And uh, some of the previously released episodes, there's there's a uh, bonus uh, content like additional 15, 20, 30 minutes sometimes that you're not going to hear on the the free download on Wednesday. And on top of all that. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, uh, just search Gregory Iron, Twitter at Gregory Iron, Instagram at Gregory underscore Iron, and of course you can buy t-shirts at com backslash Gregory Iron, and if you want to book me for wrestling or motivational speaking, just go to my website, gregory-iron.com. I
0: tell you what, the supplemental content that you've been doing has been great. I, I think I was bugging you asking when the uh, Family Guy induction ceremony was going up at one point (laughs) um you mentioned something i was just catching up with the veda scott episode and you mentioned the the fabled jail or jail show um that i've heard tale of for years in the circles and that there may be footage existing out there uh i think that was a patreon you were teasing and you may you may get me for that one
1: yeah yeah if i once i find that footage i i know i have it um uh, I would definitely love to put it on Patreon. I mean, it's nothing like—it's um, not super cool. It's one shot, um, and uh, but it's but it's in a prison, and mm-hmm. um, it was something we're not supposed to have on video. But I, <laughs> that's one thing that I regret looking back on. It's nice to have those memories of the uh, the, the prison shows that we did. Like we we basically did a tour of prisons mm-hmm. um, in I believe 2010 and 2011 um, as wrestlers, which is uh, kind of unheard of. I don't know of any other wrestlers that have done something and um we weren't allowed to take pictures there was not allowed to be a lot of video and also in 2010 um even if we did have our phones um the cameras weren't as good back then so i don't even know how the what the quality of the photos would look (laughs) like um but uh yeah it was quite the experience and there would be these moments where uh you'd be on the top rope and uh the way these prisoners were reacting was like you would feel like you're at like like a tribute to the troops but then you'd have this moment where like oh, there's a child molester there's a rapist there's a murderer <laughs> and then it kind of sinks in like this is a pretty actually scary situation so uh yeah if i could find that footage uh i'm definitely gonna put it on the patreon for sure
0: looking forward I- i'm hoping that does pop up thank you so much always a pleasure to have a conversation with you uh and and looking forward to when we uh, cross paths again out there on the road
1: Thank you so much, Mike.
0: All right, thanks a lot again. Go check him out, and of course, uh, he, he didn't mention uh, uh, always always pimp those ratings. Please rate him on the iTunes. I just dropped the five star on on my uh, iTunes app, podcast app on Apple here. Uh, which lied to me how many episodes were out because it's been doing that, that to me lately. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I know it's been a while. But uh, go check that out, and please subscribe to this show, the Indie Mayhem Show, on uh, your favorite podcast app or the Wrestling Mayhem Show Super Feed to get everything wrestling that we're doing in the podcast form. A lot of stuff through the, throughout the week here, at least three episodes most weeks, uh, plus these interviews. So uh, thank you so much. Please support independent wrestling and support independent, independent wrestlers in podcast